started tonight, I would like to warn uh, several of you out there that tonight's program may be one of excruciating, well, I just thought I'd warn you, but I forgot uh, what it's going to Oh, by the way, we have a note here. It says the bird, it's a bird six inches in size that lays a nine-inch egg. <laughs> That's terrible. That's Keith's bad joke. By the way, speaking of uh, bad jokes, uh, this is me, and uh, I'm going to be here for a while. And uh, and uh, listen, uh, are you listening really carefully now? I want I want you to listen very carefully because I have something here of uh, of genuine <laughs> reality. <laughs> I don't know how I, it, better to say it. It's genuine reality. Uh, I think it must have been about a month ago that I mentioned that uh, that we get quite a few letters from guys that are in the slam. I mean, you know, guys that are uh, <laughs> that have been put up on a the beach there and uh, hung on a big rack. And, uh, you know, guys sitting around in a can. Well, I got a letter here, and here it is. It's on prison stationery. Now, a lot of people have never seen prison stationery. And it's very official. I've seen uh, all kinds of the prison uh, stationery from many different prisons. And it all looks pretty much the same. It's white paper, and it has black lines on it. Uh, the lines are printed very dark, uh, so that when you write uh, on this stationery, you stay right above the line. I don't know what the, the reason for this is, but the, this is the way it all looks. It's got these black lines printed on it. And it doesn't look like, uh, like the kind of line stationery that you got when you were a kid, you know, when you had a tablet. <laughs> Not at all. Because, for one thing, the lines don't go all the way to the edge of the paper. Apparently, you can't run your writing all the way out to the edge for some specific reason. And uh, the, the lines are sort of in the middle of the page, and they have about a quarter of an inch of space between the edge of the page and the end of the line. And then above it, there's always all this official stuff uh, above the uh, actual letter. And it says, uh, the name of the prison is printed very big on, on the top of it. It'll say, like... Uh, Joliet State Prison, which is, of course, in uh, Illinois. This is not the one that I'm reading at this time. To, to protect the guilty, I am, <laughs> I am not going to, uh, to give you what slam this guy's in. But he's, he, he writes like all the rest. Now, here's the thing that fascinates me about prison correspondence. Almost every prison correspondent that I have gotten letters from, one, they write, they're very funny. Their letters almost invariably have a, a real sense of humor. Now, I'm not, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. Don't uh, extrapolate my remarks here and make it seem like I'm saying that everybody in jail has a sense of humor. I'm saying that the guys who have written me do. See, there's a certain kind of guy. In every, in every given society, there is a guy who is aware. Uh, if you take 10, 15, 20 people out of a group of people, there's always one or two guys who have enough of a width, a breadth of vision. <laughs> In other words, uh, they, have a, uh, they have enough understanding of human nature, both themselves and the people around them, that they can see the humor of being caught and being thrown in the slam for trying to, you know, for, 
And, and they, they, by the way, concede that they're guilty. They, they, at no point do I get these letters, Oh, Shepard, please get me out. I'm innocent. Oh, wow. Not that kind of stuff. Because it's already assumed that they're guilty. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> and uh, and it's, uh, it's not at all the kind of thing that you, uh, you know, that you always associate with. The, you remember the Mickey Rooney prison pictures when Pat O'Brien was the, uh, was the warden? And uh, Mickey Rooney was always saying, You're going to let me out! You're gonna, I'm innocent! I'm innocent! Yeah. You know that business? No, no, it's very different. And, and he writes this letter to me. And at the top, uh, there is this, uh, the, the letterhead is very big. It's, it starts out, it says, uh, uh, let's say, Joliet State Prison. That's the heading of it. And then underneath it is all the information that you have to have. You see it all there? It's all kinds of little, uh, tiny type, and it says stuff like, uh, visit. Visits for inmates whose last names begin with A, B, or C will be on Monday. Visits for inmates whose last names begin with D, E, F, G, or H will be on Tuesday. Visitors for inmates whose last names begin with I, J, K, L, or M will be on Wednesday, etc. Down to then it says at the bottom it says unsentenced inmates allowed two visitors. Each visitor allowed one visit per week. Sentenced inmates, these are guys that are guilty, allowed four visitors. Each visitor allowed one visit every two weeks. Not more than two visitors allowed on the same day. For your information, inmates can purchase cigarettes, candy, toilet articles, etc. from the commissary. Send money orders made out to the inmate. Do not send packages. <laughs> I can understand why. <laughs> but anyway, here's what he says. Now, all set now to hear what his opening lines are in this letter? I'm sure he won't mind me commenting on what he says. He says, Dear Mr. Shepard, now this is from the Slam. It's on Slam Stationery. He's even got his number and everything. You have to put your number down, you see, uh, on, on the top of the stationery. And his number is a very official number. It says, Dear Mr. Shepard, would you please send me your free booklet entitled The Seven Deadly Sins and How to Get More Out of Them? <laughs> I believe, and I try to know myself, both my assets and liabilities, realizing that I have a talent for greed and fully agreeing with holy writ that talents should be put to use rather than buried, I desire counsel so as to more fully realize my God-given talent for greed. Hence my interest in your booklet. Realizing that I do not have to send 25 cents in coin to Washington for the booklet, I wish to commend both yourself and your station for your sense of commitment to public service and above all commercial considerations. I am in the slam on a bank robbery charge, and I feel that had I had to a higher degree the education that you offer in your booklet, in greed in particular, and it's in applications, I would not be in my present circumscribed circumstances. I remain. <laughs> now there's a guy with a sense of humor and he says then at the bottom he puts a postscript he says on a more serious note I'd like to say that I've been here now six months and uh, he says as things can be pretty difficult at times he said I have uh, he says I have one thing I look forward to every day your show in the evening is something that I just wait all day for he says why? Because you are just an honest man speaking his mind. Now, that's, that's fascinating. No, that's the first time that I've ever had of all the letters that I get from people. What's that? How does he hear it? Well, I suppose they allow him some kind of radio in jail. I don't know. Apparently, they do. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, from the various letters that I've gotten from the uh, prisoners that I've heard from in the past, they do have... A, it's a kind of a prison system. In other words, the prison pipes... Uh, shows or or radio into 
their cells for a certain number of uh, hours a day. At least that was one guy wrote me a letter and explained this to me, where they could they had a switch and they could switch to two or three different stations. And uh, by coincidence, ours was one of them. And he says that uh, all the prisoners, yeah, he says all the prisoners are so hungry. He says they don't want music. He says they're so hungry to hear a voice from somebody talking on the outside that this is this is far more important than anything the Stones can ever say. You know, and uh, he's, these guys are listening, man. And uh, but he, he isn't it interesting though that, that a guy who is definitely in jail says this line. He's the only person of all the show, of thousands of letters I've received over the years from people about one thing or another. He's the only one that has, has actually said that specific thing. He says, I dig your show. He says, I, I, I look for it because it is just an honest man speaking his own mind. Well, that's very interesting, coming from a guy who's in jail. Now, uh, he, he, uh, very, very, he says, also, you want to hear more, more of what he says? He says, also, you, he says, uh, admittedly, you have quite a style, but far more important is the fact that you have something substantial to say, often satirically presented. Still, you are very serious in almost everything you do. He says, particularly in your satire. That's quite true. You know, most people think that satire shows that you're not serious. And as a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. Uh, any great satirist is even more serious than the guy who writes the... Uh, uh, you know, the resounding editorial. We here in the editorial office feel blah, 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 blah. And uh, and uh, he, he makes that point. He says that the, uh, you know, the fact that when you're being satirical about a thing, you're actually being more serious about it than the kvetchers. Uh, you hear a lot of those on Barry's show, by the way. Barry Five, oh, yeah, the guys are saying, you mean to tell me, Barry, that in, you, you can read on page 422 in my book, The Eagle Screams Over Brooklyn that I wrote in conjunction with my marvelous wife, Rhoda, in our book, We Show How the City of New York. And they go on and on and on. And it's assumed by people that they're serious. That is a very, very shaky assumption. They could only be pompous. Don't confuse pomposity with seriousness. But the pompous are around us. And, and, and incidentally, being pompous is quite a career. <laughs> I think we ought to... I think we ought to, to we ought to honor pomposity with uh, an actual designation as a specific human art form. In other words, we use uh, we we use the term uh, comedy. We use the term we use the term tragedy. Uh, people will say uh, Charlie is a tragedian. Uh, Fred is a comedian. Uh, Fred is a satirist. Uh, uh, Voltaire is a uh, satirist, and so forth. Why not say? Uh, uh, Fred Applerot is a pomposian, or <laughs> a pompositarian, and he's appearing tonight on the Barry Farber show. Uh, but uh, yes, oh, and, and pomposity is is really an interesting thing because it's it's probably one of the most consistent qualities that we have. And and the, that's the one thing that I hold against the New York Times, which I enjoy immensely. I love to read the Times, but they are pomposity. Oh, they are so pompous. They really are pompous. And uh, my old friend Gay Talese, who wrote the book, by the way, about the Times, a long time ago, when he was, even when he was working for the Times, he used to come over and sit around here at the studio. We used to talk about that, that tremendous pomposity. And you can see it in little ways. For example, uh, have you noticed the radio listings in the Times? Oh, they're very pompous. Hello, Test. 
I seem to have a hum here tonight. I want to change this. Oh, oh there, there, there. That's better. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, can, do you, am I boring you about this? No, it's very interesting. I, I'm, I'm going to go on with this. Uh, that the pomposity, I think, is is one of the great one of the great uh, human talents. And uh, of course, no other animal has any talent. Actually, we're the only creature that has any specific talent. Yeah, talent is a is a human thing. Well, now, no, an animal uh, eating you is only doing what he does. No, 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 that's not talent. Talent is something that has nothing whatsoever to do with maintenance of life. In other words, uh, a guy is not going to uh, survive one way or the other by drawing a picture on the cave. It's abstract. Talent is an abstraction. Uh, if you uh, if you take a high jumper, uh, he's jumping purely for jumping's sake. He's not jumping high to try to save his life or jumping to reach the grapes like the fox did. Uh, he's just jumping. So that's a talent. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it's part of the abstract thing that man is. Uh, it's rarely seen where, where uh, one uh, impala will say to another impala, Hey, Fred, let's see if I can jump over that rock, man. And I'll bet you can't make it. Uh, although they may do it, we don't know. But the thing is that uh, man has made a whole structure out of the abstraction of uh, jumping and running and throwing and painting and writing music and all this stuff, which has to do with talent. But uh, I think he's also done that with pomposity. Although, I see, I think it's a genuine talent. <laughs> I'm not putting it down. Oh, yes! A truly pompous creation, I mean truly, carried all the way out, can be highly entertaining and also extremely educational. Because uh, pomposity, uh, oh, yeah, I believe it. I, I think pomposity is a... Is a and it can be... Because you see, pomposity is often confused among people's minds for seriousness, the more pompous you are, the more you know, the more serious you are. You hear these poor, sad interview shows. Like uh, the other day, I heard an interview show where this nice lady was interviewing an artist who had written a booklet entitled uh, "The Future of Mankind" and how, in the following fifteen pages, I show that man can produce far greater creatures on the face of the earth than he is now today. And, of course, uh, our guest today, Charles W. Abercrombie III, that famous artist who has written this magnificent book called How Man Can Create a Better World, will be with us for the next 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to say that beforehand that I want to thank all of you for uh, on the program. And uh, as I was saying to uh, Dog Hammerschild uh, one day, many years ago, just after they had considered me for the Nobel Prize, and just before uh, Bertrand Russell uh, uh, remarked to me, and on the occasion, of course, of uh, Norman Mailer's ascension to the throne, that I... Ah, I said, that's so beautiful. (laughs) Don't I sound like one of those people? And that she's, well, now, uh, uh, do you consider the uh, space program a worthwhile... Effort on the part of mankind to extend his horizons and make his world a better world. <clears throat> uh, I'm uh, glad you. <clears throat> yes, I'm uh, glad you uh, asked that question. Um, as I was saying the uh, other day to uh, uh, President uh, Nixon, uh, uh, I was saying to uh, Mr. Nixon that uh, in our considered view. Uh, 
Would you please give me a little mood music for that play? And I say, of course, I'm glad. And in consideration for all the other things which uh, mankind has attempted to do. And in my book, I outlined very clearly that the course that the man, in particular Western man, has been pursuing... Uh, the Museum of Modern Art, the Metropolitan Thomas Hoving and Hawk at Workula Conta. Arthur Hexer and I are moving. section of the New York Times. Now, the only... They'll have the radio section that say what, what's happening on radio. Then they'll have all the music programs listed, see? Then underneath it, it says uh, talk, sports, and uh, that's about it. Talk, sports, special events. Talk. Remember, talk, sports, special events. And they have all these shows listed. Now, the only shows they list are shows on which somebody is being interviewed. In other words, if one of those people, that's a fascinating thing, if one of those people he interviewed were to get his own show, it would then not be listed. That's fascinating. <laughs> so I'm not even listed in the Times. I don't exist as far as the Times radio section is concerned. And you, What's that? I can't hear you, but uh, it's all right. <laughs> but the, no, I, it's not even listed, see? But now, I suppose... That shows, of course, that the Times will only recognize radio as long as they're interviewing somebody from outside of radio. In short, radio itself is below notice. <laughs> oh, I've seen this. Now, that, that's in spite of the fact, of course, that, uh, that uh, as a writer, let's, take, uh, let's forget radio, as, as a writer... Uh, I've had one, four or five national uh, humor and satire awards, and a few others. Oh, yeah, I'm being perfectly immodest to you. Oh, sure. No. No, it's true. Of course I'm being pompous. Now, the point is this. No, 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 no. You notice the only time anybody makes any, any, any ground in this world is when he does get pompous. 
Now, now I'm I'm trying to tell uh, the the what I suppose you can say is the lesson. <laughs> Not only a lesson. I suppose you can say that the moral of the little tale I'm telling you tonight. Friends, be pompous. <laughs> be pompous, man. I'll tell you the most pompous slogan in our time is all the news that's fit to print. That is a pompous slogan. And you notice how far it's carried them. <laughs> oh, man, further than anybody. Now, pomposity, of course, is important. Now, now on the other hand, uh, carrying that uh, idea a little bit further, now, what you, when you are pompous, now here, I'll show you an example of what I consider pompous people. You want to know who I think is pompous? Well, I think uh, uh, John Kenneth Galbraith is one of the most pompous men I've ever run into. Now, I've read some of Galbraith. Galbraith really does believe that the world revolves around him. <laughs> that there are big going out from him, and they revolve around him. Well, that's fine. I mean, that's great. Now, now you notice that the pompous tend to drift together because they're all convinced, of course, that pomposity must be protected from the outside world. Now, now, uh, oh, yes, you're constantly getting uh, uh, shots and little arrows. Now, I can name, you want to know some other pompous people? Well, I think, uh, well, no, no, pomposity can be both right and left. It's, it's not really a matter of political. Uh, for example, let's face it, William Buckley is pompous. But he's pompous with style. <laughs> he is. He's funny. And, 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 uh, and his pomposity, he, he finds, obviously, now I don't know Buckley, nor do I agree with him politically, but obviously uh, Buckley finds his own pomposity funny. And that's why he'll never be taken seriously. If you, I mean genuinely seriously, if you know there's a big difference between being popular and being taken seriously. And, uh, and so uh, a guy like Galbert, who, who really doesn't think of himself as pompous, oh no, he never would, is the ultimate in that because he doesn't think it. If you think you're pompous, you're not. If you think you're pompous, you are not. It's like insanity. If you believe that you're insane, the chances are, friends, you ain't. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's as simple as that, and uh, yet complex, that the, that the pompous can only be pointed out by others, you see. Uh, in other words, uh, you're, you're never going to hear anybody say, well, I'm pompous, of course. If he does say that, he wants you to say, oh, no, certainly not, uh, Abbothwaite. You're certainly not pompous. You're, you're, of course, uh, you know, it's true that uh, at times you get a little ponderous, but not pompous. Of course not. Well, of course, I'm glad you say that, but, uh, and, uh, the, the pompous, uh, are, are people who really, uh, who really believe, and, and incidentally, part of pomposity, I think, uh, being pompous, is to have a complete disdain for the others. Uh, pomposity is, is, is an offshoot of a feeling of superiority. That to be, to feel superior to other people is one of the reasons, one of the prime uh, requisites to be pompous. If you really do feel superior. Now, uh, <laughs> I can name others. I mean, there's a lot of others around that, that have this kind of uh, pompous. You're rarely going to get a playwright to attack another playwright. Now, he'll attack somebody in television or <laughs> radio, but never, never another playwright. And so it goes on and on. In other words, what I'm saying is that the attacking elements of our society have today gotten to the point where they will protect themselves. And that could be a fascinating, it could wind up with some very interesting problems in the future.
Have you noticed that the only people that are right in our society are always cartoonists or playwrights? Or songs, uh, people who write folk songs? Fascinating. <laughs> then the, the obvious thing, then, is to elect a folk singer, a cartoonist, and a playwright to run the government. Then you're going to have something interesting. And, of course, we'll get Lawrence Olivier to represent us in the United Nations because he's such an experienced king, you know. He's uh, played at least ten kings in his time. <laughs> 